Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 47. I've only hunted one time since November 17th. I remember being a kid, the most exciting day to me was the opening day of gun season and uh, loved going out, but um, it just doesn't have the same appeal as what it once did. Uh, I, I just enjoy the aspect of bow hunting so much. Nothing against gun hunters or gun hunting at all, um, but it's just this year, I think had I not shot a buck on November 17th, I would have been a little bit more excited about it, um, but this year just, uh, I went Saturday, or actually I went Sunday night um, and went behind my shed and just kind of sat down just because I wanted to be in the woods. And I went with a shotgun, which was weird. I was hunting from the ground, which was weird. But just kind of sat there and didn't see a thing other than some squirrels and a a beautiful evening. And I enjoyed that. Um, But, you know, this year I, I put in 17 hunts to get my buck and... And, you know, I just have enjoyed time with family and the pressure's off. But I'm starting to get that itch again, um, maybe to take a doe on my own property. I only own three acres, so I'd like to try and get a deer on my own property so I don't have to buy another tag, use a landowner's tag. So that's something I might do here in the next couple of weeks. And then I will go muzzleloader hunting uh, back home with my buddies. Um, and, you know, usually three of us get together and we join a party and do the deer drives and all that just for a day. Um and, and that's basically all I've got left in the tank <laughs> for this year. I've actually already started thinking a little bit about turkey season. Um, but I uh, took the week off last week, wasn't able to line up a podcast. It's like during Ohio gun season, everybody's apparently busy, and most gun seasons are going that time. So, um, But I've lined up a few this week, and uh, before we get to our guests, we have a great story today, several great stories today. Um, but I will remind you that we are running a uh, coffee fundraiser. So if you like coffee um, and you like the this podcast or you like shutting out light outdoors then I would encourage you to uh, buy some coffee I'll leave a link below it's called justlovecoffee.com but if you go through the link below uh, we will receive I believe it's 30% or 32% of every order so the coffee runs about 13 bucks for a bag um, depending on the size that you get and I know that that's a little pricey but like I said 30% of it goes straight to us helps me pay for this podcast helps us pay for our Adobe Premiere subscription so that we can you know put out good quality videos each year you know whenever you add it all up we're spending you know two three hundred maybe even four hundred dollars out of pocket um, to put out the content that we're doing and um, while that's not a huge amount that's still for guys that aren't getting paid to do this we're just doing it for fun you know we love if you love it and you want to support us and you want to buy some coffee hey that's that's all I'll say about that it's good coffee and um, really appreciate your support I really appreciate the support and the um, encouragement that you guys have given me on my uh, my video that I've done and, and kind of telling my story in my season um, you know it's funny I've gotten so many good comments on my video but unfortunately you know the things that sometimes stand out are the negative comments and I have got a few I I knew full well putting out what happened to me this season 
uh, could bring on some haters. You know, the reality is I took two really bad shots. Um, had a deer standing there, 45 yards, not really on alert, and I just completely messed up the shot, as you guys know. Hit one in the shoulder at 50 yards, and um, and I hope in my video I don't make light of that. I just didn't have all the footage to kind of go through and talk about how many hours I spent searching, how bad I felt. I mean, you feel terrible. Uh, you feel like a complete idiot whenever you make choices like that, and you have to learn the hard way, um, but I chose uh, in our vi in my video to, to show that, um, and I know that that brings on some folks that apparently would not make the same mistakes that I did, or apparently have never missed a deer and never injured a deer. Um, and, and if that's you, man, I'm that's good for you. Um, I'm happy for you that you are smarter than me, <laughs> and that you uh, know better than to take those shots. Um, I unfortunately had to learn that this year, and so you know those. I've gotten maybe two or three comments like that um, that were just downright rude. And, and if you're gonna be rude or hateful and and not helpful then I'm not going to put up with that. I delete those comments off of YouTube and off of Facebook. But there have been some folks that have just said, hey, um, great video, really appreciate it. Um, just would encourage you to you know, keep your shots 30 and under. You know, that, that right there, I am completely cool with. And I think if you're going to comment, if you're listening to this, and I don't care what you comment on my stuff, but if you're going to comment on other people's things, um, I would just encourage you to, to use some... Just think about it. There are the videos that people put out there. Granted, there are some that you know are better than others. There are some things that people do in videos that are you know you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. One, um, you don't always have the footage to tell the whole story. That's why I try and do voiceovers. But try and be constructive. You know, I mean, there's enough negative comments going on <laughs> on just about. I mean, it could be anything. People are going to find a way. Uh, to troll it, and people are going to be haters, and there's nothing that you can do about that, but try, I, I really appreciated the comments where people were constructive, um, or just positive, and, and said, hey, like this about your video, here's what I would do a little bit differently, or whatever, you know, that to me is helpful, and so there's my two cents on that, just uh, try not to be a troll, um, and I know you guys aren't, uh, really appreciate, once again, you coming back for this podcast, and spending your time. Uh, we do have some new videos up, so if you want to check us out on YouTube, Facebook, do that. And uh, I think that's all I got for today. So today we have a great guest on. I saw a post of his on Facebook um, in the Saddle Up, if you're a part of saddle hunting. Um, this guy is on Saddle Up and posted. He's also a part of Wild Edge, and he'll tell you about what Wild Edge and uh, the Wild Edge steps and all that are at the end of the podcast. But uh, Zach Owsley has some great stories for us today, some that are just absolutely I think epic, um, uh, really funny, and we talk a lot of different things about being a mobile hunter and what that might look like and, um, and just kind of dive into all of that. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, here's Zach Owsley. Hey, Zach. How's it going, man? I'm just fine, Travis. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Glad to have you on the show. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit. Uh, first off, you're in uh, Tennessee, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm in the far northwest corner of Tennessee, almost as far northwest as you can go. Uh, a lot of people out there probably have heard of Real Foot Lake. Uh, you know, it's right on the Mississippi River, big duck hunting area, um, about 15 minutes from Real Foot Lake in a little place called Dyersburg, Tennessee. All right. So uh, what do you do in Dyersburg, Zach? Well, I actually, uh, I live right outside of Dyersburg, and I actually work in Arkansas. I am a 
Uh, I work for Newcore Steel. We are a steel manufacturer. We make flat road steel, and I actually load barges. So I get to spend every day out on the Mississippi River. It's a pretty cool job, and yeah. it actually, it actually, it ties into what uh, what we're talking about today, hunting. It's one of those career choices that really worked out for me because I get so much time off. Our schedule puts us on a four-on, four-off schedule. So it allows me a lot of time in the outdoors, you know. Mm, you can't beat that. <laughs> no, no, Are there any openings? I'm sure some guys listening to this will be like, maybe I should apply to that. <laughs> uh, we do have periodic openings where they'll ask you to take a willingness questionnaire and stuff. But, uh, it, yeah, I mean, we hire people pretty regular. So if, you, if you'd like to come to Blyville, Arkansas, and, uh, and, you know, you're a big-time duck hunter or deer hunter, there's plenty of places over here for you. Oh man, that's the place to be. So what else, what else do you do? You a married guy, uh, hobbies, things like that? Yeah, I, I am married. I do not have kids. Uh, my wife, uh, she's from a little town called Trenton. It's about 15 minutes away. Her name is Holland Blair Owsley. She used to be a Crenshaw. Uh, I'm sure she'll appreciate that shout out. Uh, <laughs> y- and you know, uh, that other, other than hunting and fishing and, uh, all that, I mean, th- those are my hobbies, you know, that and my family. That's what I actually do with my family uh, for us to spend time together. A lot of time, you know, me and my, my dad's probably my, my best hunting buddy there is. Uh, we take vacation at the same time just to be able to spend those days with each other, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool whenever those uh, hobbies align with what your family want to do. And I, people ask me, you know, what are my hobbies? And it's like, uh, I used to say, you know, I'd golf a little bit, but I can't afford uh, two expensive hobbies. So I just pretty much elected for hunting to be the main thing. <laughs> well, well, golf's not that expensive unless you're as bad as I am. And well, I, I lose so many. a lot on golf balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, good, man. So how did, uh, Zach, tell us a little bit. I like to just kind of ask guests this just off the top. How did you get into hunting? Is it something that you've always done there in Tennessee or is it something that you picked up a little bit later on? Uh, it, it's something that I was kind of born into, you know, my, my, I, you can go back as far as my great granddad was a big time coon hunter, uh, and rabbit hunter raised dogs and did those things. And I never got to do those things with him. But even when I was younger, we did get to squirrel hunt with him. So my dad and uh, his dad and family, they grew up doing that. So come from a long line of small game hunters. And um, like I said, that's how I got started. You know, I, I remember being to where I couldn't even hardly hold a shotgun and we were shooting bottles, you know, out at my at my great aunt's house and things like that. And then uh, as I got older, my dad, his uh, best friend, and you'll hear me refer to him several times probably today, is uh, our buddy. His name is Terry. Uh, he got into deer hunting and he actually got my dad into deer hunting, but because we didn't have property and things like that, I really wasn't ever able to go because of public land. You know, it's just, it's a little bit different. We don't have permanent stands put up and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was asked to, uh, pretty much stay home during that time. And man, that's how the burning passion for deer hunting came. You know, it's just burning inside me is because I would see them come home with those deer in the morning. You know, they pull up on the <laughs> curb, and you'd be like a kid at Christmas every day waiting to see if they had one in the back of the truck. Yeah. So so that's how that really got started. And, uh, you know, it, it's mainly been gun hunting. Um, I've recently, in probably the last five years, started to dive into bow hunting a lot. But, man, I just enjoy killing deer and putting deer on my wall too much to go full-time bow only. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. I can understand that. I, 
You know, there's I, a challenge. Good, there's a challenge involved. I'm good friends with a guy, um, and some of you may know him. His name is Greg Staggs. He's a vice president of Wild Edge. He's a full-time bow hunter. He shot one deer with a gun, and he's like, that's not for me. And I've told him several times, well, that full-time bow hunting, that's not for me. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I enjoy putting them on the wall too much. I guess my wife says that I like the taxidermy bill, but she had, <laughs> but yeah. uh, no, that's, that's pretty much how it, that's how it got started in me. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I just still remember sitting there, you know, at the front door, every time you'd hear a car come by. I was looking to see, you know, his dad and Terry pulled up, and then you'd see them get out with those orange hats, and you'd be looking in the bed of the truck. Did you see anything, you know? So that's how it all got started. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. I, I think there's uh, something about just even though you weren't hunting, seeing their stories and hearing their stories, there's nothing like that. I remember uh, whenever I was in college, I didn't get to hunt a lot, and driving home one night, uh, this is back in Ohio when they used to have the check stations. Now it's all online and, and through phone, but uh, there was a check station I would pass on the way home, and I would pull in there on the way home during gun season to see if any, just to talk to guys and see what they got. It wasn't even my deer, but just to be able to hear what other people did just like you said kind of lights a fire and gets you excited oh and it absolutely does and i I really believe that's one way that we've went we've went so electronic nowadays that that's something that kids growing up now are going to miss you know we Mm -hmm. have facebook and we see the pictures and things like that but i specifically remember once i started to get to go hunting is there was a gas station on the way home and every year on the first two days of rifle season we would swing into that gas station on the way home because we want to see what kind of deer people were checking in yeah. So, so I completely understand that. You know, you you wanted to see. You know, uh, how how is everybody else doing? Yeah, yeah. You kind of miss that community aspect. That's something we probably probably didn't think a whole lot about whenever we made things simpler. You might take away a little bit from that. But anyhow, uh, so I, I I think where I saw your post was on Facebook that you've had a little bit of a challenging year, and I related to your post. And also saw where you uh, you work uh, kind of on the side or do something with Wild Edge. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned something along the lines of becoming a mobile hunter. So explain that a little bit, like, first off, before we get into your hunting stories, why it's become important for you to be, uh, you know, mobile in your setups. Uh, absolutely. And I'll start with the Wild Edge thing. Uh, that, that kind of, uh, I am a pro staffer for Wild Edge. Uh, right now, there's only two of us, me and a guy named Corey Nepper. Um, but I, I met those guys in Birmingham at the World Deer Expo. Uh, I had modified some of their equipment. They really liked it. Uh, we kind of hit it off, started bouncing some ideas off each other. And before you knew it, you know, I built a relationship with those guys, and they asked me to join the team. But uh, that was when I was diving into the saddle hunting thing. But even before that, like I told you um we grew up, or I grew up hunting public land. I, I wasn't able to go deer hunting until I was probably 10 years old because I had to be able to sit on my own or, you know, sit in an area where I thought that, uh, or my dad felt like I was safe. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, uh, you know, you're just, you have to be mobile. Uh, you can't go in and hang ladder stands and do those things. So I grew up hunting with a climber. Uh, so I'd say I've been mobile from the beginning. I just didn't know what I was doing from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Uh, so, so you know, I grew up hunting from a climber. Um, at the age of 14, I shot my first deer. Uh, and then I shot another one at 15. And But even then, you know, it was uh, my dad and our buddy dropping me off on the way to their stands and kind of staying there with me. 
and uh, that that getting more mobile kind of happened back in college. And and if you got time, I, I'll tell you this story. It kind of takes a second. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, uh, and you know, I, I'd watch I'd watch these guys. Uh, my dad and Terry kill these deer all this time, and just about everyone I've ever killed, or everyone I had killed at this point, was just a year and a half old buck. But you know, I was tickled as could be. And uh, when I got to college. It's it's new territory, you know. We're not hunting the same trees that I've got in my GPS and reflectors on the trees, you know. I had to learn how to scout, hunt, and kill by myself, and uh, that's when I really started to become mobile and understand what mobile was. And the story I, I kind of want to get into is on on this morning, I I had actually scouted this little piece and three or four times, and every time I'd went in to scout it, there was this these two growed up cottonwood fields, but in between those two cottonwood fields, there was a point of hardwood that come out and I run into does there every time. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back there and hunt this afternoon. I didn't have class that afternoon. And when I got back there, there's a guy sitting in a tree right in that point. And so, you know, that kind of spoils my whole plan. And, uh, I actually walked on past that guy and I knew of a spot that I could cross some water to be able to get back into the hardwoods, but it was there was few and far between. And I got into that spot, and when I was taking my climber off my back, I looked up, and there's a nice buck sitting there staring at me at 25 yards. <laughs> <laughs> now, like I said, I'm taking my climber off my back, so my gun's leaned up against the tree, and uh, he bolts as soon as I take for my gun, you know. But like right then, it proved to me you have to be able to willing you have to be willing to adapt to each situation, and that's where the whole mobile mobile hunting come from, you know. And it's just I've developed over the years. I've been out of college now for uh, ten years, going on eleven years, and, and you know it's just developed to be more and more and more and more. And and that's that's really how saddle hunting is. That's why I'm so big on saddle hunting is. Man, my back has hurt me every year from carrying climbers and sitting in climbers and sitting in lock-ons. Uh, I, I don't have that issue with a saddle anymore. Wait, but, it's uh, com- wait. Are you saying a saddle is comfortable? Yeah, I'm saying a saddle is comfortable. Oh man, that's the biggest question. There's no way that thing is comfortable there, Zach. I mean, the fact that thousands of people have started hunting out of them the last year, but I still see that online. <laughs> it, We're all lying to takes, ourselves. We're all lying. It's a big conspiracy. They're they're not comfortable. <laughs> it takes some adjustment. I mean, there, there's no doubt. Yeah. It takes some adjustment. It's harder to get up a tree. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, some people say, well, there's no way I could have shot this deer behind me. Well, in most of the situations with a climber, I could have waited on the deer to take two or three more steps and shot him, you know, from mm-hmm. a climber the same way I did from a saddle. Yeah. But my back issues are completely gone. And that's huge. That's huge to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to tell people, I don't think it's for everybody, although I do think it's worth everybody at least looking into as a like a realistic option. You know, I think some people have just kind of discredited it as a fad, but I really think it's here to stay just because of what you're talking about. It, it enables you just that ability to kind of move around the tree. That's probably my biggest uh, thing I enjoy. And like you said, it being lightweight. I mean, seriously, a saddle weighs, you know, two pounds or under, and then it's just a matter of how you're going to get up the tree. And that, that combined is enough for me to want to put down the 18 pound climber that I had, you know, I mean, and, and give it a go. So, you know, I think it's worth checking out for guys that haven't done that yet, you know? 
A- absolutely. And, and, you know, you talk about the 18-pound climber. That was just your climbing. That was just what you used to climb, basically, and sit in. You know, you're talking about the saddle weighing two pounds. You wear it in. It's not mm. toting on your back. I mean, it to me, it has just completely changed how I view about going in in the morning. Now, sometimes I dread climbing a tree because it is harder to get in a tree. Mm. You know, just the way I climb because I chose the ultralight method. But but I, I believe it's definitely an option or a tool that everybody should have in their bag. Mm. Absolutely. Did I, cut, did I cut you off there, uh, Zach? Were you, uh, I, you were talking about that buck that you saw and then um, I, you were going somewhere with that. Oh, oh yeah, I'll finish that one. You know, like this. So the, that that deer ran off, you know, and that ended up being a busted hunt. But at the time, not being a, uh, I didn't even know what bump and dump was. But I would say that's exactly what I did to this deer. Uh, the next morning, I'm walking in. You know, I'm carrying that climber on my back. I had an old API Grand Slam, so the the chains in it are rattling. You know, I'm making all kinds of noise. And the whole way in, I'm saying, I smell a deer. I smell a deer, you know, I mean, just, I kept telling myself, man, I smell deer. And I got to the tree and I was putting the top of that climbing stand on. And I had the, one of those little carry bags hanging off the side, you know, and that carry bag slapped me in the face. And I'd had those tank scent bombs in the side of it. And it all busted. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that deer smell I kept smelling all morning was those tank scent bombs that had busted in my deer stand. <laughs> You know, and they smacked me right in the mouth. I ended up shooting that deer at seven fifteen that morning. It, it was pretty. Uh, it's pretty awesome experience. There was nothing special about the shooting of the deer. I mean, he come trotting in. You could tell he'd been chasing does all night. But you know, that was the time though that I, I just really look back. That was the first deer I ever put on the wall, and I really look back on that and say that's what made me a mobile hunter. You know, that's what made me realize that you can't go into a spot thinking I'm going to hunt this tree especially mm-hmm. on public land. Uh, I mean, you know, you have your mind made up on public land, then you're setting yourself up for failure because the deer will pattern you too. Yeah, that's, and that's another big point is this year was probably my most successful rut that I've ever had just as far as seeing bucks and being able to, and, and I, I've talked about it before on the podcast, the biggest thing was me being able to hop in a different tree every time. Now I was hunting, like within, even within like a hundred yards of where I was before, I would be in a spot, I'd see a buck, he'd kind of skirt around me. So the next hunt, I would get into where I saw that buck move. And uh, it, it gave me several opportunities at different different bucks. And um, so I think that's huge, being able to hunt different trees if it's possible, you know? Uh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, I, I actually contacted, uh, and I'm sorry if I mess up his last name, Joe Renemeester and Dan Infault, both of them. I had a mm-hmm. question. And my deal was, is if I'm going into the woods, uh, you know, uh, in the morning time, do I need to be intimate with that spot? Like if I feel like I'm going into bedding, do I really need to be intimate with that spot before I go in there trying to climb a tree? And both of them agreed that, you know, you needed to know that spot like the back of your hand if you're going to go into it in the dark. Yeah. So you're going in the dark, you needed to go to uh, previously scouted spots. So yeah. that's that's kind of what I stuck to this year is on morning hunts. I was hunting previously scouted spots and afternoon hunts. I started scouting my way in and that's how I was successful during both season this year with an eight pointer. Man, I had a rough bow season. I mean, I saw I saw an absolute giant one day. Uh, if I'd have had a muzzleloader gun, I mean, he would definitely be on the wall. It's just close call after close call after close call. And, 
and I took their advice though, and there's a WMA right up the road for me. And a friend asked me to sight in a muzzleloader for him. So I was running late and I had to, I, I, I had to find somewhere to go. And I, I you know, everywhere I go is about 45 minutes to an hour from my house. Hmm. Well, there's this little WMA up the road and I decided I was going to go up there, man. I parked on the side of the road. I walked in, I found some scrapes, kept walking, found some more scrapes. And I still had this spot on a map that I wanted to go to, but, you know, I was using Onyx and I marked those scrapes and I got to that spot on the map and there's two scrapes side by side. I literally climbed the tree, turned my camera on to do the interview and here come this eight pointer. <laughs> I, I mean, it was that fast. And, and, uh, speaking of that, if anybody's inter- interested, I have a YouTube channel. It's called aerial assault. That's a E R I A L assault. Uh, it is that kill is on there. Um, I believe it was probably my last video. Uh, that kill is on there and I'm working on my next video right now. My dad shot a really nice one. Yeah. I, uh, I saw that on your YouTube there. I became a subscriber today and I was checking that out. So you got sweet November buck down Tennessee public land is, is the one guys need to look for. That is correct. That is the one they'll need to look for. Don't laugh. He's not my biggest buck, but boy, I was pumped. I mean, he had my adrenaline flowing. I really thought he was larger, but uh, it's probably my best video to date. I, I felt like that's the one that I've done the best job on editing and making. Had a, had a lot of people congratulate me on that one. Absolutely. So what went down? So how did he come in? And you're using, are you using a, a bow on this hunt? Yeah, yes, I was. Um, I actually, there was a, two different CRP fields out in front of me. What, what it is, is they let, when the WMAs around here, they, they buy land and a lot of times they just let the crops grow up into nothing but cottonwoods. And so the hardwoods here are full of oaks and I had to walk through the hardwoods and I was walking towards this CRP or, or cottonwoods, whatever you want to call them. I just call it CRP. When I got out there, it was about, and I've never been to it before, it was about probably a five to six year old uh, cottonwood field. Well, the field next to it, because we had such a uh, flood this year, they didn't get a chance to get out there and mow it. So now I got this grass, it's about head high. So you got three transitions, basically. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm sitting in these oak hardwoods, and then straight in front of me, to my left, I have a five-year-old cottonwood field and straight in front of me to my right i have this head high grass and i mean like i said i climbed up with my steps i got on my last step i hung my camera and i turned my camera on and no sooner i turned my camera on i turned to my left and i was like man that's a pretty nice buck and i mean he come right down the edge of those fields shot him at 15 yards and i mean i watched him fall i mean i put him <laughs> right in the pump house it was uh it it was probably uh the fastest hunt I've ever had. <laughs> Man, that sounds familiar to me. <laughs> uh, that's part of I think the reason I contacted you because it just blew my mind how similar our, our seasons have been. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges, and then you go to a spot that you haven't really been before and hop up in ten minutes later it just happens. It's crazy how that goes down like that. Uh, uh absolutely. And like, you know, you talk about ups and downs. Um you know, I, I told you I work a four-on, four-off schedule. So when I take four days of vacation, I get 12 days off. Basically, because you get your four days off, then you take your four days of vacation, then your four days off after your schedule. So I had like a 12-day vacation, you know. Mm. And uh, during that time, I was struggling. Well, they allow us to hunt on the plant site. 
so uh, we're right there on the Mississippi River, and uh, deer get huge there. And you guys can actually, uh, if you'll search my name on like the Saddle Up Facebook page or something, you'll see a deer that I actually have history with that I found in the Mississippi River this last week. I think I sent you pictures of that, didn't I, Travis? Yeah, I saw him. Mean, he is a giant. Uh, that deer is a giant. Uh, I had him aged by a Tennessee biologist uh, today by tooth wear, and they're saying they can put him in the five and a half plus category. So a uh, huge deer. But anyway, I went out there during that time, and um, my buddy texted me and said, you have a huge buck headed to you. I really figured it was going to be like five or ten minutes. Well, apparently this dude was cruising. Within two minutes, he was on me. I never even got the camera turned on. I grunted and snort wheezed, and he kind of turned, but he still went away. Well, within like two minutes, I heard this deer behind me, and I ended up having this deer coming on a rope from like 12 yards or 20 yards to 16 yards to 12 yards. But at 12 yards, he threw his nose up, and he just so happened to see me. And I'm sitting there at full draw. I needed him to make it to nine yards so that I could hit him because he was behind some brush. Well, instead of continuing down that same trail, he turns and he beelines right towards my tree. And this deer's at six yards. And we're talking a 135-inch eight-pointer. You know, uh, that, that's a pretty big eight. Mm-hmm. Um, six yards, and I thought, well, maybe maybe I got a little hole. And I tried to squeeze it in there with that arrow. And uh, I, hit, I hit a limb, broke my broad head, uh, it, uh, broke my lighted knot. And so, you know, I was at the lowest of lows, you know, after that. And my season has been going downhill ever since. But then last week is the post you saw is where I shot the 10-pointer on public land. You know, and I think it's born and raised on YouTube. They always talk about it only takes one. Yeah. And, man, they're right. You know, it only takes that one second. Yeah. What would you say to a guy that, I mean, I was on that side too, going through a lot of struggles and I, I would hear guys say, yeah, keep at it. But you know, I, what would you say to a guy that hasn't got it done yet and this was experiencing and they got just a little bit left? Like what advice do you give to a, a guy that hasn't had the, you know, hasn't had the luck yet? Well, I'd love to be one of those guys that tell you, you make your own luck and things like that. And I, I think somewhat you do, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who haven't had that break in life yet, but they don't have a choice. They just keep going. And if, if, if shooting a buck is what you want to do, you have to keep, you have to keep chasing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it it's not always going to go the way you plan. It's going the way that God is planning. I, I know me and you have talked in the past about, you know, you're a man of faith. And I actually listened to one of your podcasts. Can you pray for a buck? <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know if you can, but I pray for one every morning. Yeah. And, uh, I, if, if you guys want to, you know, every, basically the tree is my temple, man. You know, uh, I, I probably pray more in a tree stand than anywhere. Uh, I don't know why it's just like my time with nature, my time with what he created. And, uh, every morning I sit up there and say, if you don't mind, just please bless me with the hunter's luck and bring me a big eight, nine or 10 point buck, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and whether that happens or not, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I have faith that eventually if I'm doing the right things, uh, that eventually I'll be rewarded. And, uh, that, that's, that would be my advice to everybody. You know, if you get down on yourself and you lose confidence in yourself and you lose confidence in your faith, then, then you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's great advice. I, I, 
I've learned a lot since then. I mean, I haven't hunted. I've hunted one time since November 17th, which is kind of weird for me. But since then, it's just been kind of a, I learned so much this season and even last season, not getting a buck, you know, even if you don't get something, it's still, it's easier for me to say this. I know being on the other side of it now that I've got a buck down, but trying to appreciate just the hunt itself and not just the kill. We work so hard for that and we want it. But just appreciating that time that you're given because there's some people that would just die just to be able to go out and, and be in the woods again. And they can't for whatever reason, health reasons, or they have a job that just doesn't allow them any days in the, in the field, you know. So being able to appreciate that, that time that you get to spend is, is um, that's what I would say. It, yeah, and, and, you know, just like we talked about earlier, some people get to spend that time with family. Us, you know, uh, or me, myself, for sure. Uh, you know, like my dad's never shot a big deer and this year he shot one and I just so happened to be there. I, I It's the best hunt I've had all year and I didn't see a deer all day. Yeah. I didn't see it on the morning hunt. I didn't see a deer that afternoon and my dad shot a really nice buck. I got to be there for it. So, you know, sometimes it's those little things like that allow you to put it in perspective. It's not always about you harvesting a deer. It's about the, it's about the things you're getting to experience along the way. Mm. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, one more quick story that just makes me think of it. This morning, I was just sitting in my car. I got to work, and every once in a while, I'll just still play on my phone a little bit before I come in. And I was on YouTube, and I just went back and looked at some of our old videos. And there's one called Two Brothers, you know, or something like that. And it's me and my brother, and we doubled up on turkeys this past spring. And I forgot about some of the stuff. It's cool whenever you film your hunt sometimes. You can go back and, like, you forget about the different things that happened during a hunt. But just, you know, that's a pretty... It's not even the greatest footage that we have or anything like that, but just a very special memory of, of spending time in the woods with, with my brother. You know, those are, those are the things that it's all about anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's never, to me, been about killing a deer. Like I said, I, I enjoy putting them on the wall, yeah, but uh, that, that's never been what it's truly about to me. Mm. Well, Zach, is there any other, uh, any other deer on your wall that uh, <laughs> you got a story about? We got a little time here. If there's any others that you got, uh, I enjoy Man, those I, stories. Yeah, I've got so many stories. I mean, it, it's unreal. Uh, I'll tell you a story about my, my largest buck, and uh, this is one everybody can laugh at. Uh, it was the day after Thanksgiving that year. I believe it was uh, November of 2009, but... Um, Okay, the day before, put it in perspective a little bit, the day before Thanksgiving, I was hunting. I'd never shot a big deer at this point. Uh, I was hunting and, uh, or I'd shot a decent deer, but never a big deer. I was hunting and I had a nine pointer that we had on camera come running across me. And I mean, I had it at 40 yards, but it stopped behind a tree and I'm trying to find it in the scope. And he, the next time he moves, he takes off running. So I'm frustrated, you know. Then Thanksgiving Day, nobody's going hunting. I, I still go myself that morning. I go back to the same spot, and I don't see a single deer. Well, the next morning, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, I'm frustrated, and I'm riding in the truck with my dad and Terry, and I'm complaining the whole time, you know, to where they're finally like, boy, why don't you just be quiet? <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> It was just, I, I was down, you know, I, I was in that mode of the people we just talked about. And that's a, that's a place I don't really get anymore. But at that time, you know, I was young and, uh, and it, you know, at that time to me, it was all about uh, wanting to be a good hunter. And, you know, I didn't feel like I was being a good hunter. And, uh, I told him, I said, I'm going to the closest spot we have to the road 
and they said, well, go right ahead if that's what you want to do. It was a beautiful morning, too. I'll never forget it. It was a full moon. It was uh, clear skies. The wind was almost calm. It was a perfect frost. And uh, I get ready to go to that spot, and I don't even have it marked in my GPS. So my dad swaps, my dad swaps GPSs with me, and I go to that spot. And after about uh, 7 o'clock, you know, I'm just sitting there beating my head against a tree like, I cannot believe I wasted such a good morning on this spot. But then it just so happened to be about 7.15 or so, I saw two tails off through the woods, but up close to the road. I mean, they had to be right next to the road. And at first I thought, well, they must have seen me beating my head against a tree, you know, because I was, <laughs> I'm, I really, I really was frustrated at this point. And then I started kind of putting it all in perspective. I was like, man, it's prime rut in this area. I'm thinking they may have been chasing. So I start kind of calming myself down. I, you know, I'm kind of sitting, I sit back down in my climber. I'm getting ready. And I look to my right and I do, I see this eight pointer, uh, about a hundred yards out in some real tall cane. And, um, like I said, at this point in time, I was not a very good hunter, and I, I did not do things that I should have. I put a gun on him, and he turned around and started walking back into the cane away from me. And the only shot I had was right between his ears on the back of his head. And I shot, and this deer did not flinch. <laughs> I mean, he did not move. Uh, he did not stop. Uh, he just kept walking like he was originally walking, and I thought, <laughs> man, I've never seen anything like it. So you want to talk about praying about a buck? You know, I turn around and I put my head up against the tree and I'm like, Lord, if you would just please bring that buck back. You know, I won't take a stupid shot again. Just just please bring him. <laughs> so then about 10 minutes later, I see this same buck and he stays. There's a am hunting next to this real thick ditch bank or slough bank. It's not, it never holds water. It's real shallow. But where we hunt, there's not a lot of elevation change. But you can tell it's a definitely low spot. It's got some high, uh real thick stuff on the side anyway i sit and watch him and he stays on the other side of that and i i kept my promise i i didn't take that shot it was would have been a, another bad shot well then i thought i don't know what i'm gonna do so i pull out my rattling antlers and start rattling and doing all kinds of stuff and within about 10 minutes here he comes back and i mean he is marching right at me he comes through that little slew bank comes out of the thick stuff he's at 30 yards i lean up against the tree i squeeze the trigger he jumps up runs two steps and stops and turns around and i thought how did i miss that deer well so i put you know i chamber another shell and i shoot again and he does not flinch and at this point you know i have no clue what's going on uh, he actually turns and starts licking his side and you're thinking you know what do I do? I'm, I'm out of shells. My shells are in my pouch. So while this deer is within 25 yards at this point, I reach down into my, I had a, a turkey, I carried a turkey vest when I used a climber. I pulled my shells out of my turkey vest, laid them in my climber seat, and I, there was two shells left in my pouch. I put one shell into the gun, and I thought, that's all I'm going to need. I chambered it. I leaned up against the tree to shoot that other buck again or to shoot that buck again, and then I heard something behind me. And as I heard it behind me, I look, and here comes this doe. And then I hear a grunt. And I look behind her, and there is an absolute 
giant for me. I mean, the eight pointer I was shooting at was a giant, but uh, this ten pointer comes running in, and I mean, he's grunting, and all of a sudden he sees the eight pointer. He puts his head down, bristles up, starts grunting. He's getting ready to fight this eight. I point the gun at him and shoot, and he falls over. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not really sure. You're kidding at this me. Point. Yeah, I, I mean, he just fought, you know, actually, actually, when I initially shot, looking back on it, I think he kind of, he kind of took like two steps, but he was still bristled up sitting there looking at the eight pointer and then he just fell over. I mean, like he fainted, um, you know, didn't even kick once he hits the ground. He just, he just falls over and uh, I'm sitting there in disbelief, you know, so I'm shaking. And at this time, uh, we didn't have. Well, there's actually no cell phone service on this. Uh, it's a national wildlife refuge where we're hunting. There's no cell phone service. And I get out my radio, and I'll never forget. I hear my dad saying, Zach. And I said, yeah. He said, what is all that shooting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I just, I just shot the biggest buck of my life. He was like, well, how many times? <laughs> <laughs> so... What's what's odd about this story though is I have no clue uh, what was going on with that first buck, um, but I did actually hit that first buck at some point and had no clue. Mm. Uh, I thought I had whiffed on that deer, um, and we did wound him. We ended up jumping him up. But what's crazy about it is after I shot the ten pointer. You know, at that point, I'm done. You can only kill, kill one deer a, deer a day here in Tennessee. And, you know, I, I gladly would have uh, have taken my licks over that because, I, you know, it was an honest mistake. Yeah. But uh, when I shot the 10-pointer, that 8-pointer just bedded down. And I, I didn't see him. Uh, I thought he ran off with the doe. When I got, I climbed down with my climber, walked over to the 10-pointer, and was bending over to pick the 10-pointer up when the 8-pointer jumped up off the ground and took off running. Was was there something wrong with that eight pointer? I mean, he's either deaf or I mean. Well, you know, it, you say that. That's funny. I sit there and thought to myself, "This deer is deaf." <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what I thought. He's deaf. I think what had happened was, is this doe was just so hot, and he knew that he was on her trail, and he was searching for her. And I don't think there's anything you could have done to get him off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he was just so into it that uh, I think his hormones just had him think. And, but he very well may have been deaf, but uh, I did not put a killing shot on this deer. Uh, that's actually fortunate. You know, uh, we when I jumped him up, I mean, he looked as healthy as can be. He, did, he was not bleeding much. And uh, I still, to this day, don't know what happened other than buck fever. I've not missed a deer that much since. <laughs> I've missed a few. <laughs> but uh, that is one of those stories that you look back and you say, man, you know, uh, the good Lord had that one in it for me that day because nobody shoots at one deer three times and ends up shooting one even bigger while yeah. it's still there. That is insane. That is a really cool story. <laughs> and honestly, honestly, it's probably the deer that I have on my, he's the largest deer that I've killed. He's a 140 inch 10 point. Uh, he is probably the deer that I'm the least proud of because I didn't do anything to accomplish that, you know, yeah. uh, it all happened and it worked out great. And, you know, I got to put a huge deer on the wall. That's great. But, uh, I, it's not like I worked really hard for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, different feeling for sure whenever it's kind of one of those where, I mean, you call it, like you said, luck or the Lord. Either way, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, one of those kind of things. So, man, that's that's cool, Absolutely. though. Yeah. Well, Zach, tell us a little bit. Uh, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but tell us a little bit about Wild Edge. I know this, you know, you didn't contact me. I contacted you, but since you kind of work for them, tell them a little bit. If guys are unfamiliar with what Wild Edge is and the step and those kind of things, kind of fill us in a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wild Edge is a veteran owned company. Uh, they actually own a product called the Step Ladder, and that's with two P's. Um, Jim Step is the original creator, and uh, to give you a little background on that, Jim Step has uh, a wounded veteran, and he has a uh, a prosthetic leg, and he had trouble climbing trees, and that's how he actually invented the step ladder. It, it made it easier for him to get up trees. Well, it just so happens that Drew Walter, the president and CEO of Wild Edge now, grew up around Jim Step. And when he got out of college, he said, hey, man, do you want to give this thing another go? And Jim just pretty much agreed to let him take off with it. And mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew has taken this in a little bit different direction. And it just so happens that it's hit the market at the right time with the mobile hunting growing. You know, public land is bigger. Than, uh, public hunting is bigger than it's ever been right now, uh, especially with guys like the hunting public. Uh, born and raised, these guys showing that, hey, you can kill large deer on public land, and people are trying to learn how to do that, and it just, it kind of fell into the saddle hunting market, you know, mm-hmm. and um, anyways, it's basically an alternative to a climbing stick, uh, it's a much lighter method than a climbing stick, people pair it with aiders and naders and swaders, and if you don't know what those things are, it's basically a rope uh, of some sort, or a strap meant to get you higher without actually carrying a piece of metal. Um, and, and they've just, they're a very versatile system. And since then, uh, Drew has brought on uh, Greg Staggs to be his marketing, uh, the vice president of media and strategy, I think is actually uh, his title. Mm. But he brought him on board and they kind of took it a different direction or or kind of steered it in the in the perfect direction i guess you'd say not a different direction they just kind of you know got it right on track to where it needs to be and uh man the the step system is blowing up and then since then uh they have created their own saddle that they have called the wild edge yark uh, you know i'm sure a lot of people uh, when they hear this will ask about the production all that i will leave I'll leave those questions to be answered by the guys who uh, are a little more important than me. <laughs> but I will say that whenever the Wild Edge Yark is available, which it will eventually be available, uh, you guys will love it. Uh, I think there's a select few out there right now, but it is a great saddle. It's made on the same uh, pleated seat style system that uh, Arrow Hunter has created uh, with a few more accessories. But with that, you know, they started getting into the. Uh, the the ascenders and offering the cone duck ascenders and carabiners and and the biggest item i think that they have or the most sold item i think that we have other than the steps right now is probably the sterling oplux eight millimeter rope Mm. Uh, i don't know if you use that but no i haven't yet you should really look it up i mean it takes you know, I, i carry a dump pouch and i got my lineman's belt and tether in it well used to it take two dump pouches now I'm fitting two carabiners, two Kong duck ascenders, two eight and a half foot uh, 
sterling oplux ropes in there plus my nader and sweater all in one dump pouch and this mm. is a small like a nine by seven dump pouch you know yeah but that that's kind of where wild is going they kind of fit in the niche of the saddle hunting world and something i'm kind of pushing for is trying to um get tree stand hunters you know guys who still like to use lock-ons to realize the versatility of the step uh, i think it just adds a whole new dimension um when you can take something that's so not bulky i mean you know um if you've ever held a step in your hand you know you're talking six inches wide uh, and you know it's the size of a uh it's probably about the size of two softballs yeah you know I, I, if you took two softballs put them together i don't but um just really a compact system yeah, it's it's basically kind of it kind of reminds me of like a triangle. I don't know how else to describe it. And you put it up against the tree, and you take the rope around, and and it's all based off of just like this one one rope, right? So there's no buckles, there's no clanking, other than just the steps on each other. And there's a way to stop that, but you kind of wrap it around there, and you kind of pull it up, and you cam it down over. And if you do that right, you've got like a rock solid step you know that you can i well i saw i saw a picture of like uh i think it was andrew with like a um four-wheeler uh, you know hanging from one of these things so i mean they yeah, they will he's hold actually, uh, yeah he's done it with a four-wheeler and he's actually taken and lifted his excavator off the ground you know by pushing down with the bucket testing oh. the, what he was doing he was testing the ropes yeah. a lot of people are recommending amsteel ropes and amsteel um actually did not withstand as much weight as what the ropes that we use are. But he put the bucket on the front of it, pushed down, and, I mean, uh, you know, lifted an entire excavator off the ground. That's pretty impressive. But you described it very very well. That's exactly like it is. You know, you cam it over, and, and I mean, it is a solid step. And uh, I'd say the the biggest thing that hurts the wild edge step is it's not just a plug-and-play. You can't go buy it off a shelf never try it and take it hunting tomorrow mm-hmm. you know it takes it takes a little bit of practice just like the saddle itself does and uh, some guys just aren't willing to spend that time some guys it doesn't work in their environment like they work in you know they have a lot of pine trees and they say that the soft bark it doesn't really work well on that here i can find a tree anywhere for them and i mean they are just as solid as can be yeah now what about the uh, perch is that still uh i saw that as is that still in production Yes, yes. Uh, the perch is what has been the saddle platform. And I also need to mention this. Any item that you want to order from Wild Edge now, uh, there for a while, you know, we did pre-orders and back orders and things like that. We are no longer doing that. So if we're out of stock up for an item. You cannot order that item. But right now, all stock, all items are in stock and shipping within two to three days, including the perch and the steps. But the Perch is our saddle platform, and that's actually the piece of uh, equipment that I modified that just ended up, you know, allowing me to build that relationship with Andrew and Greg. Mm. Yeah, so, the Perch is, that, that looks really appealing just as far as a platform is concerned. You know, I mean, it looks super solid. I haven't tried it yet, but, you know, and I think, guys, I think that's, once again, you get into if you're not a saddle hunter and you're still listening to us talk about it. I mean, the the cool thing about saddle hunting, I think, is 
there's not just one way to do it. There's a lot of different ways that you can kind of tweak it and make it work for your setting. Um, you know, whether or not you want to use wild edge steps or there might be something else. But I mean, I think that there's a lot of different options as far as how to get up the tree, how to do it. But the, the beauty of it is, is that it's lightweight and you can make it work for you one way or another. Uh, absolutely. I agree completely. The, the downfall of it is, is there are so many different ways that you end up looking <laughs> for every possible way that's best for you. Yeah. And you end up spending about three grand <laughs> trying to <laughs> figure true. out what one, what one grand you're going to keep invested, you know. Yeah. But that's a great thing, too, is that, man, it's in such a demand right now. You can get your money back on just about everything through resale and stuff. You know, I have bought and sold so much stuff. And it, and it just so happened that I, I fell in love with the Wild Edge equipment. Uh, and not because they asked me to be a team member. They asked me to be a team member well after I was using the stuff. It just happened to be whatever I, you know, what I ended up settling on. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you completely. There's 10 different ways. Yeah. Well, Zach, I really appreciate you coming on talking about that. I would uh, definitely point guys back to Aerial Assault on YouTube and check out some of those videos. Uh, there's a couple your popular ones. We talked about this before we hit record. Some of the popular ones aren't even really related to uh, you know hunting videos. There's one where you kind of talk about how to stack some helium sticks uh, from Hawk a little bit better, and then there's one how to paint the Sitka pattern. Um, you know, that's a pretty big, pretty big uh, one you got there too. Uh, right any kind of do diy saddle hunting thing you know i I try to get it out there and it just so happens that that is um the videos that people seem to like more uh if there's some videos or some type of something that you want me to figure out how to do uh, feel free to reach out to me leave a comment do whatever you know i'll be more than glad to figure it out i'm actually working on right now trying to figure out how to make a knotless wild edge step so I'm creating like a, um, almost like a whoopee sling, but it's not a whoopee sling to where you'll just be able to fish an eye over the end of the uh, standoff on the wild edge step instead of tying a knot every time you get up the tree. So, you mm. know, that's one of the things I'm working on. If you guys have any ideas, you know, I'd love for you to reach out to me and I'd, I'll do my best to either try to come up with it or maybe work with you on it. Absolutely. Well, Zach, thanks so much uh, for coming on, giving me some of your time. I enjoyed those stories. Very memorable, very cool, and uh, wish you best of luck. I don't know you got any more hunting coming up the rest of the season? Uh, I do. I have. Uh, it's Like I said, I, I hunt right there at the plant in Arkansas that I work at, okay. and uh, their season is actually open until February 28th, and I have two buck tags there. Oh, and uh, and where we're at in Tennessee, uh, the season for does is all you can eat. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's three does a day from here until like january the 6th or 7th oh, man. so uh so you know like i said it's the all you can eat season um so i mean i can still go hunt with a rifle here and do those things but i'll probably be chasing bucks in arkansas quite a bit uh, from right. here on out. well best of luck to you on that i hope that goes well thanks again for coming on zach hey man best of luck to you uh i'll do my best to push some people towards your podcast here and i really enjoyed it and love to be back sometime absolutely thanks man we'll talk to you later on all right thanks travis 
And there you have it. I uh, really enjoyed sitting down talking with Zach and hearing his stories. Um, I'll definitely remember the story of the buck that he missed and the one that he was able to get. And just a really, uh, really nice guest. And I enjoyed talking to him. You know, going back to the beginning of the podcast, I've thought a little bit more about this. And um, it's so easy <laughs> to get hung up on negativity. Um, if you put out something on Facebook and you get a negative comment, you might just get one. I've only seriously, I've only had maybe three, four, what I consider negative and also kind of mean comments. Uh, and I've had probably 20 to 30 positive comments. And what sticks in my mind, if I let it, is that negativity. Um, sometimes you can kind of get stuck in a spot. Um, and you just, <laughs> you go back to that spot, you replay it, you think about what would you say differently, you think about what would you do, and I'm going to, now here you're going to see this this nice smooth transition. You notice how Zach is a mobile hunter, right? He is able to not just get attached to one spot, he moves to a different location. <laughs> I don't know if that works or not, but I think we need to do the same thing. Uh, we need to uh, be able to move away from the negativity and just let it be, let it die. Um, you're never going to convince those people. It doesn't matter what you say. Um, but as for you, uh, you have a choice, though, on what you can do. And I'll just point out to you Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit all who listens. Um, I don't think that that verse is talking about, hey, don't let any unwholesome talk out of your mouth, don't tell dirty jokes, don't swear. There's other verses that talk about that. I think this one's talking about, hey, don't constantly rip on people and be a jerk. Um, find ways to actually encourage people. Uh, and I hope that you're doing that. You guys do that for me uh, whenever you leave reviews and comments. Um, and it's not just about you know, bigging, making shedding light hunting stories bigger. It's It's about hey, if you like this and you let me know, I, I really, truly appreciate that. It makes me feel like, hey, I'm doing something worthwhile that you guys enjoy. Uh, whenever you see people congratulate a guy on a, on a hunt um, or on a deer, their first deer, regardless of their size of the deer or anything like that, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, is there something about being honest and telling people something to make something better? Sure. I think that you can do that, though, in a way without being a jerk. Um, there are some guys, your buddies probably need to be called out on things. I have my buddies that call me out on things, but they don't do it in a way that I makes me hate them. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the other thing. The internet's so impersonal. If you're commenting and on people's stuff that have no clue who you are, I don't know who those people are that, that wrote the nasty stuff. And honestly, if my friends wrote that, it would be one thing. It's if these guys write in it, I just take no stock in it. Um, so there's a few thoughts for you just to kind of chew on and hopefully be encouraging. And it's not just hunting. Be encouraging to your wife today. Be encouraging to your kids today. Be encouraging to your boss today. Say something nice. You know, just uh, you know, think about some ways that you could do that. Guys, thanks again for listening. Going to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, go ahead and buy some copy, coffee. Check out the link below if you haven't done that. And um, that's all I got. Remember to shed the light.